Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Hello, you're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Marty Kress, your host for this segment of the show. I'd like to give special thanks to Columbus 2020 for connecting us to our very special guest today. We are speaking with Cindy Marsiglio, Vice President of U.S. Sourcing and Manufacturing at Walmart. Cindy is responsible for delivering Walmart's $250 billion commitment towards additional U.S. manufacturing in the next 10 years. In that role, she leads the company's mission to facilitate opportunities with current and new suppliers and in accelerating U.S. goods made available to Walmart customers. She's also responsible for leading Walmart's supplier diversity program that encourages diverse companies to explore new opportunities with Walmart. Cindy has more than 18 years of government and retail experience. Prior to her current position, she served as Walmart's senior director of public affairs and government relations, where she was responsible for advocating on behalf of Walmart and shaping public policy at the state and local level. In addition to engaging legislative and policy makers, she was also responsible for supporting new store expansion efforts and community engagement. Cindy joined Walmart in 2007 after working for the Florida Chamber of Commerce. Prior to that, she worked for Florida Governor Jeb Bush as Deputy Secretary to the Department of Management Services. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Marty. Appreciate you having me. We can't think of a better way to kick off the new year, and I I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this. Cindy, as much as has been written and reported on Walmart, some of our listeners may not realize the lockstep relationship your company has with manufacturing. It's amazing to think that two-thirds of the manufacturer, two-thirds of the manufactured goods in Walmart stores are made by U.S. companies. Not only are you a major buyer, you take an active role in the manufacturing supply chain. As you mentioned during your keynote address at the Columbus 2020 Economic Development Forum in early December, Walmart's size can move markets. Cindy, would you give our listeners an idea as how does Walmart approach advancing U.S. manufacturing and to providing U.S.-made goods to your suppliers, and why has onshoring and reshoring become so important to Walmart? Well, it is. I'm glad you mentioned it is, it is often um, met with a bit of surprise that, according to our suppliers, approximately two-thirds of what we sell here at Walmart U.S. is sourced from the U.S., now, we are a large grocer, um, so if you think about uh, a Walmart store and walmart.com, um, a, a large portion of that would come from our food and consumable business, um, but there is still a lot of work to do in that remaining one-third. So my team is a team that is embedded here in the Walmart Merchant Organization, and our primary goal is to advance a commitment that the company set forth right at about four years ago um, now, as a matter of fact. And that was a very um, bold commitment. We said we would, over 10 years' time, source an additional $250 billion in U.S.-made products um, 
and bring more great items to our customers. So that $250 billion over 10 years, it won't all happen overnight, of course, uh, but that's above and beyond um, what we were already sourcing from the U.S. And there's a couple of simple reasons for that. One, our customers tell us it matters. She tells us that um, second to price, in fact, where products are made today um, drive purchasing decisions. Number two, it's a really great business decision. When you bring production closer to consumption, no matter where you are around the world, that shortened supply chain allows you um, many business advantages, being more responsive and in many cases getting great quality products and at a lower price. And the last portion, of course, is the impact to communities, the jobs as a result. Um, it has been estimated by Boston Consulting Group that over 10 years' time, um, nearly a million new jobs in direct and indirect manufacturing could be created as a result of that. Those are 4,500 communities where Walmart serves across the U.S. So if you take a step back and think about healthy communities is great for Walmart, shorter supply chain, great for Walmart, and serving our customer, it just makes it a, a very much a sustainable initiative that's great for the company and, and those who shop with our stores. I, I think you have a fantastic story. When I was doing my research and saw that three out of five customers indicate your focus on American-made products is a key reason why you stop at your, at your shores. And then you go on further, though, and 60% of Americans shop at your stores. That's a, that's a phenomenal story. And, and again, the importance of the manufacturing base to your economic model is really uh, it's quite impressive. Cindy, how do you keep prices competitive with goods made in America? We've all been educated to believe it's cheaper to go offshore. Obviously, you've changed the model. You know, Walmart's mission is save money, live better. It is what drives us every day, saving our customers money so they can live a better life. And this, this initiative is just one of the many ways that, that that reinforces that mission. Because of that shorter supply chain, because of those reduced costs, because being able to have more flexible inventory, reduced risk, uh, we can, where it makes economic sense with our products, um, work with our suppliers, partner together with them um, to evaluate their U.S. options. I want to be really clear, Walmart doesn't make anything. One small exception to that, we do have some great optical labs across the U.S. that make eyewear for our, for our optical division. So great, great, uh, great assembly of those products going on in three states across the country. But it's really our suppliers who are the ones taking the risk, making the products, and bringing them to market through our retail formats. We believe, and we have seen, I've seen cases, um, I'll give you one great example. This Easter, we introduced a new Easter basket made here in the U.S., was an imported item. Now it's made just down the street here, actually, in Arkansas. Great quality product with sustainable products. They actually take the bakery buckets from our bakeries around the country. Um, and, And bakery buckets to Easter baskets, great quality product, and it was less expensive and less expensive um, price for the customer. So it matters. Every item's a little bit different, and every value proposition is a little bit different. But we've seen great momentum from our suppliers over the last four years um, at everyday low prices. I I think it's incredible to age myself a little. When I was a grad student getting an MBA, one of our case studies was on your just-in-time management approach and the logistics that you have behind your supply chain. And so when I teach now, I always show my students, you know, the top 50 companies in the year 1900. And they're all shocked to see this thing called Woolmarts, 
Walt Woolworths is number two, yeah. right? And then I show them today and I say, but it's the revolution and how you do that business that's changed the model so dramatically. So I, I give you a lot of credit. I think you really uh, set the trend across the board for a lot of people. Um, when I look at your focus on selling goods made in America, I'm impressed. When I look at your related initiatives that influence how the goods are made and how you act as the stimulus for tech development, I have to be honest, I'm even more impressed. So, you know, I look at you have sustainable design and manufacturing, you have zero waste, you have a goal of 100% reliance on renewable energy for your stores, you have electronics recycling, and you have a sustainability index to impact sourcing and manufacturing. I mean, it's the ultimate cradle to cradle that we like to talk about. What drove you to be so aggressive in terms of these new initiatives? I would answer that two ways. Much of this is very simple and core to how Sam Walton founded and grew this company. Um, you will find many similarities to this program today right at the heart of how he um, founded this company and, and ran it. On the other hand, it's a new global um, era for us. And as we, the size and scale that we are, um, we know that we can be a great business and be a better business. Um, in fact, it was the heels of Hurricane Katrina when our then CEO, Lee Scott, made those very significant sustainability goals, put us in an aspirational place without having all the details of exactly how we would get there, um, but really positioning us and resourcing the company to um, serve our customers every day, bringing that mission to life, like I mentioned, um, and doing it in a way where we can sustain it and grow it. Bold goals, long-term, holding ourselves accountable, um, and working with partners along the way seems to be um, an approach that, that's working for Walmart, whether that be in growing U.S. manufacturing or our efforts to become a more sustainable company um, or ensuring that um, we have a culture of inclusion and a diverse supply base around the world. Now, it's impressive. I, I have to say, too, it's a great recruiting tool because it lends itself to a lot of creativity. So when you look at that diverse portfolio, it takes a lot of different skill sets to turn those things into reality. So it, it's got to be a lot of fun working on projects like that. We certainly don't have all of the answers. Um, we know that as we embarked on this particular journey in U.S. manufacturing, the role that our company can play is, is an accelerator. We, we know we can sort of facilitate connections, help our suppliers find resources faster, ask them what their challenges are, and figure out a way to navigate them, fast-track them, if you will. One example of that is we've hosted um, Bring Our Suppliers Together, which we can bring a lot of manufacturers together in one place at Walmart, and we host uh, U.S. Manufacturing Summits. And in the past, we've brought all of the state economic development agencies together for um, meetings with suppliers and allowing the suppliers who are ready to expand um, expedite what is a very complex site selection process, essentially. The, the U.S. is not um, very centralized. While there are great federal resources and wonderful competitive resources at the state level, um, it's not always easy to grow or expand for the first time in the U.S. And so what can we do to give them um, an accelerated start? Jobs Ohio is a great example of that there in Ohio, who are taking those um, leads, if you will, and just connecting to the right decision maker and then competing for the business. Um, we've seen that happen with 
our existing suppliers and growing them, as well as bringing new suppliers in, as well as working with our suppliers to reshore, onshore, move production to the U.S. from other countries. It's happening sort of in those three work streams for us, um, category by category. I, I think it's phenomenal. And if I understand your model, a manufacturer could actually start in one store or one region and then expand over time that you don't have to serve the national base or the global base? Absolutely. We, we know that not everyone can scale to all 4,500 Walmarts here in the U.S. Or, or beyond our borders overnight. But small and mid-sized suppliers um, often bring great innovative items to Walmart that we want to pull through to our customers. We want our stores to be regionally relevant. And so we've had a program for many years called our Local Purchase Program. And we've expanded that here with U.S. manufacturing. So if you've got an item, um, it's about finding the right decision maker here at Walmart, which can be complex sometimes. My team helps with that. It can be one store. It can be a market of stores. It can be a small region. Um, And then it could be online. It could be in a Sam's Club. Uh, The the formats where customers can shop and, and how she wants to shop are changing um, very quickly, and I think it's been one of the most exciting parts of this job is to see small suppliers start in one or two locations and have the customer respond and see the growth. Um, so it's it's a real um, rewarding experience and part of this U.S. manufacturing effort. No, it's really impressive. You you have what you call your open call coming up in, in June where you, opportunities can be pitched by, by companies for sale in Walmart. Do you have any advice for someone who's listening to this and hears that about how best to go about that and if they wanted to gain more intelligence about how to better position themselves, what they might do in the interim? I'm glad you brought that up. It is probably the most fun day at the office here for me every year. Um, We we hold an event called Open Call in conjunction with our manufacturing summits. Um, This year, we're hosting it again here in Bentonville at our home offices on June 28th. And what we do is simply open our doors to potential suppliers with great, innovative, shelf-ready U.S.-made products. It's an online application, a fairly simple one. Uh, While we inform and and connect um, potential suppliers with the right buyer, uh, we have a lot of categories, and between Walmart.com, our store formats, as well as Sam's Club, and as well as those who buy for use inside of our stores. We call it goods not for resale. So there's a whole host of, of individuals making purchasing decisions here at Walmart. So how can we fast track that? We held about 800 meetings in a single day last year. They're, they're 30-minute meetings where you have an opportunity to, like I said, just get an introduction, get an introduction, meet the right person, pitch the product, get some teaching and training and learning from those expert merchants that we have here at Walmart. And if it's a great fit, we've seen items start online. We've seen items start in store tests. And it's, it's been real fun to see some, some growth there. This year was a little unique. When all of our guests came, we gave them all an opportunity to get on Walmart.com. We've, we've made that process a little simpler and easier, and getting access to the customers in that format is a great start for small suppliers. Super. In particular, I know you're putting a lot of emphasis on women-owned and veteran-owned uh, firms would you talk a little about that? And I saw an article recently that said you were going to invest $20 billion just to promote women-owned companies. 
Absolutely. I, I have the responsibility for our supplier diversity program here at Walmart as well. And five years ago, we made a concerted effort, uh, made a purchasing commitment as part of what we call our women's economic empowerment effort. And that is a broad global initiative. One aspect of it is to simply source more product for women-owned businesses. And we put a spend goal behind it, um, $20 billion over ten over five years, rather. In fact, just reaching the end of that, making that major milestone, and really proud of the work that that team has done. It includes, in addition to just the sort of buying scale, there's uh, training and, and expanding opportunities around the globe for women as part of that effort. So it is about our culture of inclusion, making great progress, and seeing um, our supply base represent the customers mm-hmm. that shop in our stores. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think those are really great initiatives. I, I used to live in Alabama, and they placed a heavy emphasis on the veterans-owned activity for high-tech and manufacturing, and I think that's something uh, we're doing more of now, even up in the in the Midwest and the Northern Tier. Um, so g- great activity. When when I look at your online materials and I look at your job, you have to have success stories about every other day. What are some of the really great success stories you've had that you can point our listeners to? And do you have an Ohio story that you might want to share? Well, sure. I'll I'll highlight one company that was there with me at the Columbus 2020 um, event. It's a small company out of Lima, Ohio, um, owned by Brendan and Ashley Thompson. They make uh, sports bottles. They make plastic, second-generation manufacturing company. Uh, You might imagine that we sell quite a bit of sports bottles at Walmart. And um, they were a, a a small supplier. They came to open call, pitched new products, new innovative products across varying categories, and we continue to see them grow, doubling um, in their business with us um, and bringing great items. So they're, a, they're an example of a manufacturer who has been in the U.S., continues to grow based upon the scale and business with Walmart. They're, they're covering their basics. They're getting items on the shelf by covering all the, the basics you need on time, at great prices and great quality products. The other interesting thing about their their company is they've started a foundation called 50 Strong where they're putting dollars into workforce training in manufacturing in their industry. So just a unique uh, company, but an example of, of the thousands of suppliers and the many, many small and medium-sized companies that Walmart can do business with. Um, they've been fun. I'll tell you, I've seen suppliers get really creative. They're looking at their warehouse space. They're looking at their distribution space. They're evaluating their capacity. The The global dynamics today make the U.S. make sense for many manufacturers, not all of them. And certainly we have more challenging categories than others. But we see them looking at their manufacturing and scale and seeing the same business advantages that I mentioned to you earlier and saying, how can I um, bring production closer to my customers? How do I get better quality products? How do I lower the price? Another example would be a playing card manufacturer who has been making playing cards in this country for many years. They also make other products for us, and one of which is our plastic cutlery, our great value branded plastic forks, knives, and spoons, which was an import item for us 
they reevaluated what their factory capacities were here in the U.S. and found that right next door to their playing cards, they could put the new equipment for plastic cutlery. Um, and, and they did. So now those two items are being made side by side in a way that I wouldn't have predicted when we set out on this journey. It, it is about creative thought like that. It is about partnership with the suppliers. They are the ones really taking the risk in this. Yeah, well, they see a need, and they're smart enough how to diversify to meet it. So it's that's a great success story. Thanks a million for doing that. Um, you know, when you look out to the future, what key changes do you see in how things are made? And what role do you see some of the new movements that you hear about all the time, be it ultimate manufacturing, Industry 4.0? How do those factor into some of your decisions and your assessments of companies? Are there any key traits you look for? Is an ISO certification something of value? But how do you make some of those core decisions? Well, I'll tell you, we we certainly partner with the supplier. We know um, what they're making. We have expertise in how they're making it. We know how they're bringing that good to market and how we're replenishing it on the shelf. The difference today is the pace at change um, and, and how quickly the customer is changing in their shopping patterns and their methods and how we in retail, as well as our suppliers and manufacturing, need to adjust at that pace as well. Um, I will tell you, innovations um, in technology and automation um, seem to be playing a key role for many of the categories. We took a step back and looked at that and said, how can we also help expedite um, progress there? We created with the U.S. uh, Conference of Mayors a manufacturing innovation fund, putting dollars into universities, doing research and development in core manufacturing improvements. We focus those dollars in recent years in textiles in particular, uh, a difficult category for us. But if you think about textiles, towels, sheets, soft home, in addition to apparel, we believe that there is um, new ways in the future that some of those items will be made that make them more feasible to offer them at Walmart in, in U.S.-made items. So there's great progress in those categories but we know there's room to do more. So using our foundation was just one more resource we could put to make it go a little faster, which, again, we believe is just a role that Walmart can play. Right. Again, you're the accelerator, and you can make things happen. I I really appreciate the fact that your foundation invests in uh, universities and graduate students because we're always trying to find what's the optimal way to train our students so that they're market ready. So when you look what does the workforce of tomorrow look like for you at Walmart and in your supply chain? You know, as I visit factories, and um, over the last four years, I've spent a lot of time in factories that make a lot of different types of items. Um, it does not look like the traditional manufacturing in so many cases um, that I think um, our generation and generations past may consider it to be. So I do think that, generally speaking, um, more highly um, automated and technologically advanced factories require um, more agile and well-trained workforce. Our, our suppliers would tell us that. They need a variety of workers. Um, they work very collaboratively when they're citing a new factory or growing a factory to detail out their specific needs, their unique needs, working directly with that state and local government and those education systems that surround them to teach and train and partner. We've seen some really exciting um, partnerships there. 
I've been into high schools where Walmart has supported programs to um, expose high school students, incoming workforce, to manufacturing of tomorrow. And what does it look like and, uh, differently than maybe um, you would anticipate and changing some of that perception? So, again, I think for our suppliers who make a wide variety of items, it's going to be a little different um, depending upon what type of manufacturing you're in. But generally, they do say a well-trained and agile workforce is a need, but it could be an advantage that the U.S. has. Um, and there's some great examples of, of, uh, of partnerships making that happen. Yeah, I've seen over the last 10 years in particular some really innovative approaches to workforce development at the state levels that have become phenomenal recruitment tools to attract large companies from other parts of the world. So back to your earlier comment, there are areas where we do have a competitive advantage and putting it to work is really important. So I, I'm pleased to see that it's not just at the college level, it's at the high school level. So you know, having high school ready kids to go in the market is also a big advantage for us. That's true, you, you need to have, uh, manufacturers have told us um, in addition to the workforce, access to financing and capital, um, items help with sort of navigating the states, the complexities, as I touched on, um, finding that supply chain developed in the U.S. for their component parts and raw materials. Those are all varying challenges for them. So we're always looking for ways here at Walmart to, to think differently about how we can help them move through that. I'll tell you most of what we're seeing, if you've got items that are highly automated, they are um, energy dependent, taking advantage of the low energy prices uh, the U.S. can offer today. Big items that are bulky to ship, right, that don't cube well or don't ship well. Um, think about items that are seasonally relevant or trend-based where speed to market matters. We're seeing great progress in those particular types of items and categories while at the same time trying to invest in changes that could bring new items to market in the future. Um, hence, a 10-year commitment. I, I, I foresee, um, you know, I think it will take, um, we've got a big order in front of us. We still have more work to do, but I don't foresee that customer um, desire or that positive community impact um, going away anytime soon. No, and it sounds like the nice thing is you can show progress. And there's nothing better than to be able to show people that this is real, we're committed to it, and here are the positive results if you get engaged. So I think you have a wonderful model in terms of integrating the companies. And, and, and I was quite serious. I've spent the last three months looking at different market mechanisms based on your environmental initiatives because we have harmful algal bloom issues in this region. So how do I incentivize a farmer to do what we would like to think they would naturally do that benefits their ability to sell products to Walmart. That's, that's a different approach to solving problems because we, we've all come to the realization there's not enough state or federal dollars or regulations. We need to change how we think and get the market more engaged. So you're definitely leading in all those domains. And it is. It's quite impressive. And if I was a young student looking for some innovative career opportunities, you have a lot of them. I would never have imagined um, being, it, as I started out my career in a role that I'm in, and I think many in corporate America and at Walmart may be surprised at the opportunities. It is a very fun job. It is a challenging job. Um, we run a very small team here in the company, 
that requires partnership throughout many aspects of our company, from merchants to our sourcing experts um, to our store operators, um, as well as those in our in our sort of marketing and corporate affairs who who know that there's a reputation component to this. They know that customers want to know a little bit more about it and bring it to life. Um, so the opportunities that digital and media and social media have given us to to tell the story. We track it. We know where we are. We're making great progress. We know where the initiatives are, um, but we know we want to bring the story to life for the customer. She wants to know more information about those products, what's in them, where they come from, and I think it's a it's a really exciting journey to be a part of. So, if I was a young listener out there and knowing your educational background and experience. What would you tell them best prepared you for this job? And what would you tell them is the most surprising thing about this job? We have, um, I've learned, I would say, you have to be very adaptable. Every year of this initiative has looked a little different than, like I said, we knew in the beginning. But you bring the right expertise together and through data and analytics, you focus your resources um, and you can drive big change, particularly when you've got a really big goal and some great leaders at the helm of our company driving us every day to, to move the needle, if you will. The exciting thing about being um, in a role here at Walmart is is that we can go back to that mission, save money and live better. And that dual purpose is um, is something that's really important to, to all of our associates, but particularly when you're working on a, an effort like this over time, um, creating great jobs across country, across the country, um, for customers who shop our stores. It's, I have no problem uh, finding uh, fun and, and meaning in the job, that's for sure. That's fantastic. Cindy, we'd really like to thank you for joining us today, and we wish you nothing but success in 2017 on your initiatives. They have a big impact on a lot of people, and we hope you do quite well. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it very much.